Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Tsunami Sushi in downtown Lafayette, we're Out to Lunch with Christian Mader, editor and publisher of The Current. It's business Acadiana style. I'm Christian Mader. There's plenty of demand for the good life. Who doesn't want a taste of luxury? And certainly we indulge a lot in South Louisiana. You you only live once could be easily the state motto. Why not? We're blessed to have plenty of good life to indulge here, so much so that we yearn for it even when we're gone. For all those expats out there, and there are plenty, a taste of home means seafood, and it doesn't get much more indulgent than oysters. The dirty secret of oysters, my guest Boyer Doris likes to say, is that you're selling butter and Boyer is selling butter nationwide. The Bayou Carlin Oyster Company ships flash frozen Louisiana oysters around the country and sells locally in grocery stores. The kits come in a variety of buttery flavors, garlic, parmesan, uh, andouille, cream cheese, roasted jalapeno cheddar, and more. It began as an e-commerce concept for Boyer to add to his prepped food brand, Good Eats Kitchen, but he quickly found that the good money was in wholesale, which makes up more than 90% of his business. And in 2022, he closed Good Eats to devote more time to Bayou Carlin Oyster Company. Boyer Reese, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks so much for having me. So after you've put away some grilled oysters and a couple of beers, maybe it's time to kick back and relax, if you're not relaxing already anyway. For a lot of folks, a fine cigar is the perfect after-dinner treat. My guest, Leona Bruno, got a taste for cigars when she joined a motorcycle club. And one night, she wanted a cigar to unwind, but didn't feel like heading to a cigar lounge. And a business idea was born, the Bearded Lady Mobile Cigar Wagon. Cigar Wagon is a mobile cigar experience, sort of like a mobile bartending service. It offers packages of cigar lines that can be paired with events, weddings, parties, company functions, that sort of thing. Leona is self-taught about cigars, and she coaches clients about the experience they want. Packages can include a pop-up cigar lounge with cut and light services, and all of them come with a selection of high-quality cigars. The most popular, of course, the Cuban Monte Cristo. Leona Bruno, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. So, Boyer, you actually did something, I think, pretty clever here, right? Like, you start selling oysters online, and you notice, hey, people are coming to my online shop. They're putting it in the cart, but they're not maybe buying it. Maybe it's the shipping right, cost Correct. that keeps me from, you know, closing the deal, so to speak. But you kind of go one step further and say, well, maybe I don't lower my shipping costs. I try a whole other delivery model altogether. I'm going to go wholesale and sell to grocery. So it, what gave you the confidence that a grocery store was going to buy this concept? So, uh, you know, I think you're, you're right on. When, when we got through the first holiday season of this product, we, we dove in and realized the, the analytics of the site said there was a ton of abandoned carts locally. And, and that just told me that there was a, a local demand for it. Um, and it just began asking questions, right? Taking it to some local, some local potential retail partners and asking if they thought that they could sell a product like this in store. And every single person we talked to, it was, it was almost like when you, when you have a great idea, you know, you think it's a great idea, but you're gonna run into brick walls everywhere and you've gotta, you've gotta talk people off the ledge, so to speak, why sure. your idea is great. It was the complete opposite. Everywhere I, I, I presented the product, it was, mind-blown reactions can I get it when can we sell it so it, that that was really the big confidence driver for me was just the reaction of the retailers it was almost like they felt like this was something that there was a demand for even though no one knew that the product sort of existed you know yeah. with, it, with it being a first-to-market product um, so really it was just the reaction of of the industry professionals that we were we were meeting with 
that, that gave me the confidence to, yeah. to take it into the wholesale market and not just as a small e-commerce pet project. Yeah. So, so Leona, I mean, you're a cigar lover. You kind of have this moment where you're like, I want a cigar, but not in the place that I usually get my cigars. I mean, was it your sense that this was an idea that the, the wagon that would appeal to other cigar lovers or it would be something that, you know, maybe could be something for people who are just sort of cigar curious. Somebody's like, you know, I like the idea of a cigar, but maybe I don't want to go to a cigar lounge because it seems a little intimidating for me. I think both. Yeah. Um, I know cigar lovers uh, usually are at the, the lounges, but then sometimes you just want to be home. Yeah. And then you have uh, uh, others that are curious. I've, I've ran into a, a couple of people that just have been curious uh, about it, and um, they've experienced some of the mild flavored cigars. And um, because my business is set up where I come to you, they're thinking about doing private events. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, that for me was, was just a no-brainer. Do, do you curate you know, the, the business, like the experience based on somebody's level of experience with cigars. I mean, I'll just put on the table that anytime I've tried a cigar, I've like done it completely wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, and I was a cigarette smoker and I was like trying cigars. It's like, this is awful. I can't do it. So not, not, not trying to, to talk you out of a sale here, but I would imagine, right, with, with that experience in mind that somebody might would enjoy maybe I got the wrong first cigar for instance right like, so are you trying to keep that in mind when you go into that experience well whenever I'm talking to my clients or customers I let them know that a cigar smoking is an experience um, you do not inhale cigars sure. which is something that I was doing at the beginning as well and, and then I started hating it hating yeah. it but then as I learned about it yeah. I realized that you know it, it's 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 not something that you inhale and, yeah. and most of the time a lot of people are they get turned off about it because they think that they have to inhale it yeah but it's an experience. Yeah. So, Boyer, I mean, you talked a little bit a second ago about, um, you know, being first to market here in a lot of ways. And, the, and what you're first to market with, as far as I could tell, at least originally would have been this idea of, you know, shipping oysters. I mean, certainly people ship Louisiana foods around the country. They're, and I, I was thinking, well, why wouldn't somebody have thought of this already? And it was like, okay, well, maybe because oysters are served raw typically. Is that it? But there was a flash freezing process already in place, right? Sure. So, so, so were people flash freezing oysters, but just not taking the next step of shipping them? I mean, where I reference our product as a first-to-market product, I think it's, it's the complete package of what we have now, okay. Okay. right? Yeah. The, the the grilled oyster product of having the, the half-shell frozen oyster in its shell with the butter, uh, you know, that value-added product that the consumer can simply thaw and cook. You okay. know, so the, so the flash frozen products, um, really had always been focused at the food service or uh, industrial um, right. industries, right? The casinos, the, the cruise ships, large scale where, where you've got restaurant operators or food service operators that don't want to have the labor or the, the, the waste of a, of a fresh product mm-hmm. and have someone standing there having to shuck it all day. Um, you know, the casino industry, you can put thousands and thousands of, of grilled oysters or, or even sometimes they're sold as a raw oyster on the half show on their buffet with no labor. So it was really, you know, I, I think from a, a perspective of scale, we're really one of the first companies to take that product into the retail segment, hmm. um, whether that's direct to consumer um, or, or the wholesale component where, where we're available now in about 200 stores on the Gulf Coast. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to tout your own genius here. I mean, people are doing this already and they're selling it at an industrial scale like what would have kept them from thinking you know this should have a sort of retail component consumers will buy a box of oysters people love 
sure stuff is made easy for them. Yeah, yeah absolutely you know i'd like to say that i'm just a genius and it was an idea of lightning struck me in the head but um that was actually one of my hesitancies as we as we worked through this process of of taking the product in the wholesale was look i'm not that smart why hasn't someone done this yet so <clears throat> i kept waiting on some sort of regulatory hurdle that we just couldn't overcome sure. to take the product to market, and it would then it would have been okay. That's why the product doesn't exist. Huh. That just never happened. Le Leona, did you go through a similar kind of thing where you're like, how did nobody think of this? They're cigar lovers and people like their houses. Go ahead. I did, I did. And actually, when he was saying it, I was like, yes. Same uh, experience. To be honest with you, when I first uh, started it, and then I went to the alcohol tobacco uh, control, yeah. I was told that I couldn't do it. Huh. Um, because it's mobile and I needed it to be um, stationary. Really? Yeah. And so um, I did speak to somebody else that works at the alcohol tobacco control and he explained to me exactly what I needed to do to be able to do it. And then I went through those steps and then now here I am. So, so I mean, there were some maybe some regulatory hurdles that would get yes. in the way for some people, as, as Boyer says. But, yes. So, but somebody tells you the first time, like, no, you can't do this, but you're like, wait, I mean, how, how did you? stumble onto this first person being sort of wrong here that there was a way for you to do it she's no longer there <laughs> <laughs> i'm not trying to put anybody on blast no, 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 right. it's like you presented you know? them with a, with an idea right. that maybe nobody else had she's no longer there and uh, <laughs> i mean that's all i can say about okay. that that oh, okay well we'll absolutely leave it at that but i mean i, I am curious but like i always like the idea of somebody kind of comes up on an idea where you're like well gee that that actually seems pretty smart but i mean yeah. was it was it in your mind that somebody was going to be someone sort of like you it was really just about the home experience or was it you know this could be really great for events where people are like buying a package this is something that i could bring to a wedding i can bring it to a corporate retreat like where did that level of value come into your head um well when you're doing something like this first of all i have to get inventory right okay so it's a hit or miss if I'm wanting to do an event. First of all, you have to pay the vendor's fee. So, you know, I'm thinking, what if I don't make any money? What if I don't make enough money? So I have to set up my business structure with um, packages, which is what I did. Now, if I decide I want to do an event and I can, I can make some money at that event, then it's my choice to do that event. But my business structure is set up with a, a bronze, silver, and gold package. And then the prices are, there's no prices. After I do that consultation with you, um, then we decide what it is that you want, the, the, the client wants, and then we come up with a, a, a price that way. But I had to set it up that way so that I can profit um, as opposed to um, losing. It's, like I said, it's a hit or miss when you're doing just events. Okay. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, Boyer, I mean, oysters are kind of traded almost like a commodity. I mean, do you, do you find you have to deal with fluctuating prices? I mean, when you're selling a product in a store like this, I imagine you have to set a fixed price point and say, sure. like, and then if the price of oysters goes up, you might have to eat that cost. I mean, how does that end up working? How do you account for that? Yeah, so, so you know, right now I'm, I'm still in the, the, you know, we're a couple of years old, so we're still in the infancy of the business, and, yeah. and we don't have the capital to, to lock in commodity buys, to your point. Yeah. Um, so we're, we deal with a couple of variables. It, it's it's a, the volatility of the prices throughout the year, but, but more, more so it's the quality of the product throughout the year. You know, these are, these are um, wild caught oysters in the Gulf. Um, right now we're exclusively using Louisiana products, so they've got a molting sea, or they've got a, a reproductive cycle. And you know, during the summer months, they're, they're, re they're reproductive and the water's hot. So the meat's gonna be smaller, a little milkier. It's not a great product. So at some point, the, 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 the intent is, 
um, to be in a position to lock in some of our purchases. So, you know, the, the, the peak months for production with the best quality product and the lowest price is really like late December through early February. Um, so the hope is next year to be in position to, to lock in a buy in January or February. That kind of gets us through the summer months into the following season. Yeah. Um, then we're controlling that sort of, I call it that dynamic cost, right? We, yeah. we know what our, what our average cost is gonna be throughout the year. And we don't find ourselves in a position where, you know, we're, we're maybe selling either at a loss or at a really low margin through the summer months. Um, but it's definitely seasonal and we've just got to, We've got to grow into our, our buying power to, yeah. to be able to adapt to that. Leona, do, do cigar prices go up or down? I mean, or are they generally, you know, it, I know a lot of this stuff is tends to be imported, right? So I would think that y you might deal with changes in, you know, import tax rates or something. I mean, do, do cigar, do you have to account for that at all? Or is it, you know, generally a fixed price for it's, you? It's, it goes, it, it fluctuates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some, some cigars are limited uh, edition. So those are higher, uh, higher price cigars. Yeah. And then others, um, I would give, for example, the, the mellow mild flavored cigars that I, I get, um, those pretty much stay the same prices, but the, the premium cigars, they sometimes fluctuate. So, and, and then when you're dealing with, you know, the kind of event that you might program, I mean, I, I'm sort of curious to know, like, the first event that you were able to do. I mean, who was the sort of, you know, your first to mark with this idea? Who was sort of the first customer? You don't need to name names, but, like, what kind of event was it? Was it you got approached by a group of cigar lovers, for instance, or was it a bachelor party or something to that effect? It was actually um, a, a biker group. Okay. Yes, yeah. because, you know, I, I ride motorcycles as cool. well, and so I support a lot of the biker groups, yeah. and it was one of the biker groups that yeah. um, that gave me that first uh, event. Ha have there been any requests that have surprised you, like, you know, like a group of priests or something, people coming in and say, like, and you're like, oh, I got to, like, you know, the, the, a cloistered nun, right? They really want to do that. I mean, or, or is it typically the kind of, you know, groups of people that you might expect? Um, typically the, the groups of people that I might expect. Yeah. Um, I, I've never had anybody approach me. However, if I reached out to someone, they'll do their homework on it, and then they'll get back with me and let me know, hey, this is, this is something different. I, I, can, I can use you at this event. And so that's pretty much how I, I'm out, I get out there. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking to Leona Bruno of the Bearded Lady Mobile Cigar Wagon, Boyer Doris of the Bayou Carlin Oyster Company. Boyer, you know, you did, I mean, kind of looking into kind of that origin story again, right? I mean, sort of an analytics-based insight where you're saying, you know, I, and I, I hadn't kind of caught that, um, that point that you made, right? Which was like, well, it's the local people who aren't paying the shipping costs, which Correct. makes a lot of sense. Correct. But then that tells you local. That is a demand locally. Local sure. demand, right? Sure. Um, you know, I, 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 I wonder, like, is it changing? Does, is it also by season, right? Or, or is this the sort of thing that, like, because it's, even though it's frozen, that you really, what am I trying to ask here? I would imagine because it's frozen, you would think that there would be some sort of shelf life to that, that maybe sure. this makes the product available at times people don't typically do it, or are people still just kind of coming at it you know, summer grilling season or whatever. Yeah, so I, I think I can answer the, the question you're asking in two ways, right? Yeah. So, so um, <clears throat> Availability wise, we've got product year round. Yeah. Um, sales wise, right? There is a seasonal trend that we're noticing, even though we're a couple years old. Yeah. The holiday season by far, so that's sort of two or three weeks before Thanksgiving through through December, the back end of Q4, yeah. we do about 40% of our annual revenue. Wow. And that's mostly wholesale. Some of that is, is the gift giving season, yeah. right? Uh, E-commerce wise, direct to consumer. But it's definitely a, a huge holiday 
product, whether that's you're bringing it to a holiday party or you're buying a few dozen to add to your Christmas dinner. You know, it, it's, it's that seasonality to it. Um, and then we see a drop off at the first of the year. Then you start having Super Bowl parties and you start seeing summer grilling. Lent, obviously, in South Louisiana is a big, is a big deal. That, that's sort of our, our second large uh, uptick in, in revenue. So it, it's a it's a it's a seasonal sales cycle, lots of ups and downs. Um, but it's it's relatively steady and being a new business we've we've had the opportunity in our downturns to begin to launch with new vendors um we're, we're working through um the final phases of a launch statewide with albertson's for example so like we're coming into our slowest summer months uh, but we're going to launch with with i think it's 18 stores in the state in the next few weeks so so just from a sales perspective obviously that helps us to, to maintain and grow um, but there's there's absolutely a, a seasonality to this to the consumer usage more so than the availability of the product is it based on that i mean i don't eat a lot of oysters but you always hear like you don't what is it you don't eat them in months that end in y or you do eat them in months that end in y yeah, I mean, so do people from, sort of follow a, those old wives tales and I, like that's how well, they do it? And, and there's something to that right so that's from a yeah. raw perspective you yeah. don't want to eat um it, the, the risk of, of the bacteria yeah, that true. causes the, the foodborne illness in, in oysters is higher when the water is warmer, okay. right? So in the summer months, and, and they're molting, or yeah. not, I keep saying molting, they're, they're reproducing. Yeah. Um, so in the summer months, it, it, that's when the risk of foodborne illness is highest. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of where that you know, old wives' tale comes from. Okay. But if you're eating them cooked, you know, grilled, charbroiled like our product, or yeah. fried, then you're cooking it throughout that bacteria is no longer an issue. So some of it is educating the consumer to, to the sort of idiosyncrasies of, of that, that uh, wives' tale. Um, and, and some of it is just, just people being stubborn and not wanting to eat oysters in June and July because they never have, right? So it's, uh, uh, and, and really our product, it's about education. I think when people, the, the biggest way for us to, to move the needle is going to the grocery stores and and we have this little oven we set up right near the product in the store and we roast them and it just blows people away that the product exists because it's um it's not something people are accustomed to seeing in the grocery stores and it's typically hidden somewhere in the seafood section so once we can get people to try it um it it really it really kind of quals all concerns they may have leona i mean do you find that you have to educate your customers much about Cigars. I mean, are you spending? I mean, I noticed that some of what you do is you sort of consult with your clients about the experience they might want. Is part of that process saying, you know, here's the flavor of cigar, or the type of cigar you might like, or maybe they come in with some misconceptions, like you know, probably need to not inhale this. I mean, the mistake that you've made, I've made the same one. I mean, do you spend a lot of time doing sort of customer education to, so they so they get the most out of the experience? Yes, um, that that's what I like. The, the the better part of what I'm doing is doing that. Okay. So as, so as I learn, I teach as well. So I'll have somebody that's curious that'll come up to me and they're, they're like, you're making this look really, really good. I've never tried a cigar. And so that tells me that they are not a cigar smoker and that they would probably need, if they're wanting one, a mild, mellow cigar. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would uh, suggest for them. Yeah. I would absolutely tell them not to inhale. Yeah. Um, and most of the beginners, they like the, the, the flavored cigars. Mm-hmm. So that is something that I recommend with them. And then I'll also give them a chocolate mint or something, you know, to go with that cigar because uh, it, it's just for a tasting, a tasting thing. A lot of my clients, there's a, a cigar that they, they the, the curious um, uh, clients or are, potential clients are, are looking for. And it's, I carry the cream brulee and the vanilla 
macadamia nut. Mm. And so I always tell them when they're smoking that cigar, you know, of course, don't inhale. And then I'll give them a chocolate mint to go with it. I'll let them, you know, just go ahead and eat it, kind of chew it, mm -hmm. swallow, and then pull on your cigar. That's what that minty taste gives that the smoke that's in their mouth, it, it makes it taste a little bit better. So yeah, I, I, I love educating. Um, and if I don't know anything, then we can learn it right together. Mm -hmm. The most important thing I want is for when my, my customers or clients, when they leave me, they, they all say, hmm, you know what? She knows her shit. And now I want to know something new today. <laughs> You're okay. Don't worry about it. It's coming. She knows cigars. She knows cigars. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> It's okay. We're all friends here. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I could just imagine for a lot of people there is like a level of just, like, look, even though I, I've said it, I've tried them before, I think I'd still be a little intimidated by it because it seems like one of these acquired tastes. Yeah. So, so it seemed like maybe that's getting over some misconceptions people might have about cigars or, may, or maybe just perceptions in general. I mean, do, are you finding that, that most people are kind of coming up and they're saying, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to try this or is it? people who are saying, you know, well, you have the great, you have the cigars that I, that I like. I mean, is it, you know, or is it a little bit of both? It's a little bit of both, but more so they're curious and they're, they're, they have an opportunity to try it. Yeah. Um, I've had, I've, I've, you know, everybody that's wanting to know about it and wanting to try it have sat at the lounge, in the lounge, inside of the lounge. They don't, usually those type of people, they don't take it to go. They'll sit in the lounge because they want that education about it. Yeah. They want to, for me to guide them on it. It's, it's, it's a really fun experience. Yeah. So, so Boyer, I mean, you mentioned earlier that, um, you know, you're right now, it's all Louisiana oysters. It's all wild caught. I mean, and there's a, seems like a growing industry around farm caught oysters. I mean, have you considered that? I mean, is it less of a premium product? I mean, T talk to me a little bit about the source. Yeah, there. so so I guess I can I can I can talk to the, the farm raised movement a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's a there's a big push right now in in the Louisiana oyster industry. Uh, a lot of that coming from Sea Grant, which is a Louisiana um, uh, an LSU initiative um, to kind of mimic what's happened on the east and west coast oyster industry yeah. to to do this what they call off bottom aquaculture or, yeah. or alternative aquaculture, yeah. and that's farm raising oysters in these in these floatable cages that are that are quite literally off the bottom of the bay um, and, and some advantages there is you know, these things are usually in cages about two foot by two foot and they're about four inches deep so you're able to go and bring your oysters in when there's a when there's a storm coming through so it's a it's a, a bit of a sustainable way to, to form um, the issue from my product in particular is just scale um, you know the, those those products it's typically a higher priced item because you're you, you have you have more processes you have more touches on the oyster you're typically going to have some type of brand you're building so it's just it's it's a I don't know it's the it's the McDonald's to the to the Flats Burger across the street right it's 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 just a different level and so typically those form raised sort of what I would call a boutique oyster company those are the ones that you're serving at your oyster bar and you've got the chalkboard you know a la a brew house where you've got all the different oysters that you're able to tell what what bays they're from and you know there, there's there's one in particular out of Grand Isle called Barataria Beauties it's a beautiful oyster super clean um, it's just not something I, I wouldn't even cook their oysters. It's too it's too pristine of a product, right? It's, it's the type of product to eat eat raw. Um, so for us, it's really more the, the mainstream um, 
harvested, cultivated oyster or, or wild-caught oyster on the reefs that, that we're looking for. It's that it's the size that, that the consumer is typically used to getting as a, as a char-broiled oyster in the restaurant. So you, you've got a pretty long background in seafood. I mean, um, it, it's a, that actually seems like the inverse of what I would expect. I mean, I feel like, you know, you, salmon products, right? It's, sure. It seems like the premium is actually on the wild-caught, sure. not on the farm-raised. I mean, is that unique to oysters or, or is that trend in seafood in general? I, I think it's I think it's somewhat unique to, to oysters, um, especially with, with the Louisiana industry, based on the fact that it's just new to our industry, huh. right? There, there's so few... Um, there's so few oyster farmers in the area that are that are branding their own product and creating their own brand and, and selling their their oysters. So it, it, it becomes the premium, right? Versus um, all of the, the oyster fishermen that we have in, in the in the state that are out harvesting whether they're on public waters or private leases, um, just harvesting the bulk wild caught Gulf oyster. Uh, so I, I think in Louisiana in particular, that's why you see the inverse. Um, and, and it's, I think they can get a premium for their product. You know, the, the, the gentleman we buy from, Mr. Buzzy, um, so we offer a, a similar uh, to, to your business, we do a, an oyster party. So we'll come out, we'll, we'll, we'll cater an event, we'll pop up a grill, we'll grill some oysters, we'll chuck oysters. So we'll bring in his oysters for, for the live component there, right? And it's just a, it's a different experience uh, eating these, these sort of cultivated, off-bottom uh, raised oysters than your traditional wild-caught Louisiana product. Sounds like a cigar and oyster party might be a concept you two should get behind. Yeah, listen, yeah. He, uh, he's, he, uh, listen, I've this got is the whiskey. I've got the whiskey <laughs> guy to bring already. with us, too. We'll make it happen. He has the wheels turning. Yeah. I mean, Leona, the, it's kind of the, the concept of premium, I think, applies to the cigar world, too, right? I mean, you can buy, like, I'm sure, a dollar cigar at a gas station. You can. I, I was reading uh, earlier today, you could buy a $250 cigar. I mean, is the premium experience that some of the people look for for you particularly, or is it like why? where we're sort of like, yeah, you could spend a lot on a bottle of wine, but it doesn't mean that it's a good wine, right? That is true. Um, no, uh, usually when I'm at events, um, they're, they'll prefer the $10 cigar yeah. or the $12 cigar they'll buy, which is, well, I have a, a $12 cigar here. It's, it's the Barber Pole, the Alec yeah. Bradley Barber Pole, limited edition. It's a black hooligan. Um, but usually, you know, people are just wanting something a ten dollar cigar, and and it doesn't matter the price. Just because the the, the cigar might be twenty or even two hundred dollars, that doesn't make it a better cigar. Um, I've had a, 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 a I, I do um, have an inventory of very 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 good quality cigars that are ten dollar cigars. So, what makes a good cigar a good cigar? No, definitely a fresh one. Um, I, in my opinion, and it, it, that's that's an opinion for 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 everybody. Um, sure. I like a long filler cigar, and when I when I say long filler, that is the tobacco that's not cut up. Hmm. It's a long filler cigar, and and then the wrapper is uh, is hand rolled. Yeah. You know, um, to me, that makes a better cigar. Yeah, I mean, I guess we all like what we like, right? So that's what we're going to indulge in, and that's exactly. makes for good business. Boyer and Leona, thank you so much for joining me on Out to Lunch with Katie Hanna. All right, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Leona Bruno, owner of the Bearded Lady Mobile Cigar Wagon, and Boyer Duris, founder of Bayou Carlin Oyster Company. We edited this conversation to fit into our time slot here on Care of ES, and you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Bearded Lady Cigars and the Bayou Carlin Oysters by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast. You can find and subscribe on your podcast app and on our website, it'sacadiana.com. 
If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com and on our Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. These photos were taken by Aster Morgan, and you can find more of Aster's photos at astermorgan.com. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Associate producers are Molly Richard and Chad Terrio. Our researcher is Leah Erdialis. Today's show is engineered by Dylan Babineau. I'm Christian Mater. I'm editor of The Current, Lafayette's nonprofit news organization. To get the scoop on Lafayette, head over to thecurrentla.com and sign up for our free newsletter. We'll see you next time for more business and conversation on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Out to Lunch Acadiana was recorded live over lunch at Tsunami Sushi on Jefferson Street in downtown Lafayette. Tsunami is open Tuesday through Saturday for lunch and dinner, serving sushi, sashimi, salads, and authentic Japanese grilled dishes. Tsunami welcomes casual dining or reservations. More information at servingsushi.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.